In March and April, more than 20 million jobs were lost in the U.S. It was the fastest, deepest wave of job losses in U.S. history. Then the economy started turning around. Employers have now replaced half of those lost jobs, about 10 million. For a while, this looked like great news. But there were still those other 10 million jobs that didn't come back. I think about it like you're on top of a cliff and you have like a rubber ball in your hand and you drop the rubber ball. It falls 2,000 feet and then it bounces up 1,000 feet. And that's, that's like a really big bounce, right? But you didn't catch the ball. It didn't go all the way back up to the cliff. Our colleague Eric Morath covers the job market. And he says that increasingly we're seeing signs that we might not be able to catch that rubber ball anytime soon. Millions of people might be facing long-term unemployment. And that's creating a two-track recovery with some people who are back to earning a paycheck and others who aren't. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Thursday, September 10th. Coming up on the show, why it will be an uphill battle to get those 10 million jobs back. This episode is brought to you by ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. Enter ServiceNow. It puts AI to work for people, for employees, for developers, and even your customers, removing frustration and supercharging productivity. On our intelligent platform, AI isn't just a promise. It's happening today. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Tap the banner to learn more or visit servicenow.com slash AI for people. One reason the economy recovered 10 million jobs so fast is because the lockdowns ended and businesses called workers back to their old jobs. There's a few areas of strength and where they've nearly recovered the jobs that were lost. That's construction, because we've seen this boom in new home construction. And the other area is really all the things that are tied with e-commerce, right? So warehousing, logistics, you know, delivery, all of those things have pretty much recovered all the jobs that were lost. But other industries aren't rebounding so well. That's where most of the other 10 million jobs were. Take restaurants, which employ nearly one out of 10 U.S. workers. They're mostly stuck at limited capacity, surviving on takeout orders and outdoor dining. Kristen Vaughn, who owns some Irish bars in the Chicago area, has seen what this means for employment firsthand. We had seven locations We only have six operating now because one didn't make sense to open with the restrictions. We're lucky in that four of our six locations have outdoor space. But even with the outdoor space, Kristen says there just aren't enough customers to keep her business stable. One of her locations is right on the riverfront in downtown Chicago, and it's struggling. It's down 60 percent compared to last year. And then our other downtown location is down 30% compared to last year. The normal people that work downtown aren't there, the business travelers aren't there, and the tourists aren't there. So that's part of the reason why we're hiring less is because there's just no people. (laughs) 
It's not just the riverfront bar. All of her locations are hurting. And this has meant she can't afford to hire back her full staff. In normal summer, we employ about 350 people. This summer, we're at 134. Wow. Yeah, it's a huge difference. What Kristen's experiencing is true across leisure and hospitality. The latest data shows about 25% of those jobs have not come back, in everything from hotels and restaurants to casinos and stadiums. Here's Eric. Most sports, whether it's the NBA or Major League Baseball, they don't have fans at all. And there's a ton of jobs connected to those industries. Think how many people you touch when you go to a baseball game. You pay the parking attendant, you maybe ride in a shuttle bus, you buy a hot dog. You know, it's more than just the players on the field. It's a whole industry and all that is shut down and it's really unclear when it can reopen. That goes for a lot of live events, from baseball games to concerts to major conferences. Kali Mouton has worked in the live events business for years. Kali is a single dad. He lives in Portland, Oregon with his two kids, who are 6 and 15. And until the pandemic, he worked at the Oregon Convention Center, building bleachers and stages for all kinds of live events. What's one kind of event that you really like to work? The one that I like to have, like a uh, track. It was like international. It was people all over the world running track. It's actually pretty rewarding seeing after you put it together and see your work being done and then enjoying it. It's pretty rewarding. And the job paid pretty well. Kali says he was making more than $20 an hour. But then the pandemic hit. Kali says his employer sent him home and said he'd be paid for a week or two while they figured out what was going on. He hasn't been back to work since. He's been told that the convention center isn't expected to reopen until June 2021. So what has life been like since that time? How have you been able to make ends meet? Um, just odd jobs, helping people move or whatever, you know. Have you been able to find any work that's, like, similar to the work you did at the convention center? No. I don't think that's going to happen for a long time. Kali says he isn't seeing many good jobs out there. And finding new work has been hard, especially with his kids at home. There's no jobs that I can actually find to get paid the same amount of money. Also, I'm, I'm scared to even go out because I might be putting my kids in harm's way while I'm searching for a job or, or working a job. While he's been looking for work, Kali, like millions of other people, was getting an extra $600 a week in federal unemployment benefits. That was on top of the benefits Oregon provided. So for a while, Kali was getting about $1,100 a week. In July, the federal supplement ended, and now Kali only gets $500. The 500 bucks that they give in a week isn't really enough for me to survive. You gotta factor in trying to find money for food, my rent is like fifteen, fourteen hundred. That's right there. That's eating three fourths of my unemployment, and then I still got a car payment and insurance, and so it's 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 been crazy. It really has. How are you handling all of this stress? Uh, I honestly ain't really thought about it. Just seeing like black men getting killed and coronavirus and 
now it's like wildfires out here now with the smoke. I, I try to just keep going and not really put too much thought into it. Just try to stay positive because I think if I start thinking about that type of stuff, man, it's just going to get me down. There's just a lot going on. <laughs> I just feel emotional, but I'm just trying to just be strong. That's it. So all I can do is just keep moving. These workers are making tough choices. Those choices include, should I pay my rent? Should I pay my credit card bill? You know, or do I just keep this money so I can feed my family? And they're applying for things such as food stamps or seeking nutritional supplements from schools. And they're also, you know, having to make the choice about whether they go back to work or not. First story, my colleague and I were recently reporting in Cincinnati. We heard from a worker who was leaving a very young infant child with her older child that's 12 years old because she needs to go to work to make money. So that's the types of choices that people are going to have to make. Those hard choices could be around for a while longer because the economy is changing in a way that may not bring those jobs back. That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by Workday. Get the whole band together with Workday and pair finance and HR on one platform for an epic performance. With Workday AI at the core, you'll make confident decisions faster than ever. And you'll drive flawless business and finance operations with an agile platform that constantly evolves to future-proof your organization. Be a finance and HR rock star with Workday. Visit Workday.com to learn more. As the economy adjusts to the pandemic reality, there are fears that the jobs that were lost might not come back and that people may need to go out and find other kinds of work instead. For those that haven't been rehired, it might not be the right hope that, oh, I'll eventually go get my job back at the convention center or with the airline or at the restaurant. It might mean that workers need to readjust and apply their skills in a different way, or go get new skills. This challenge of, are we seeing a dramatic shift in the economy? Will there never really be conventions and air travel the way there was in the past? Will it take years to get back to that? And should you wait to go back to your old job, your old employer? Maybe it was a good union job. Or do you try to transition and move in a different direction? But fortunately, a lot of people that move in a different direction end up starting back, you know, at the 10 or $15 an hour job and have to work their way up again. Eric says this has created a real split between those who never lost their jobs or whose jobs came back quickly versus those who are still out of work. I think you're going to see, you know, a recovery that takes two different trajectories. You know, business, finance, technology, healthcare. Those are sectors that are coming back and the workers didn't lose their jobs. If they did, they've been rehired. Those people and those that work in those industries that have those good paying jobs, those folks are gonna be fine. They probably are fine already. You're gonna see people 
that are buying second homes, that are building bigger houses farther out in the suburbs, that are buying $60,000, $70,000 SUVs, but others aren't as fortunate. And you're going to see families where they need to downsize. You're going to maybe have to see more multi-generational homes. You're going to see kids staying with their parents longer, the types of things we talked about, you know, five or 10 years ago about, oh, you know, Junior's still living in the basement, even though he's 22 years old. That type of thing is more likely to happen as you might need two or three, four family members earning these lower wage incomes to be able to make ends meet. So there are some people who are doing well, who are spending. But if there are these other families that have to keep cutting back, what could that do to the economy? If you start to see that, you know, the regular middle-class worker doesn't have the money, the job, or the confidence to, say, buy a car. I'm not talking about a Tesla. I'm talking about, like, a Corolla. If they don't have the money to do that, then the plant is going to need to pull back on shifts, maybe lay off workers, and that has a compounding effect. And those people that work there that had these good middle-class jobs, you know, they don't have the money to spend, and then the local merchant that benefited from them falls off. Consumer spending has pretty much held up because of all the stimulus through July. But at some point, that's going to start to slow down. And I think that'll then reverberate back through to the job market. And it could get worse. For business owners like Kristen, who has the Irish bars in Chicago, things are still uncertain heading into the fall. What would you say is the biggest challenge your business is facing in the coming months? I guess having proper business levels is the biggest challenge. It's hard to know what's going to happen. <laughs> going into the fall, we have one location that's on the Riverwalk. It will close completely sometime here shortly just because it's getting cold. When we close this place in the river, we're going to have to figure out how we sort of move people around in order to try and make sure some people have a paycheck. Because with the river open, some people that might not have been full-time are able to be full-time. But when it closes, I won't have the hours. Eric says that this kind of tough fall and winter could be in store for a lot of businesses. And by extension, a lot of workers, too. I think in the fall and the winter, we'll still see employment gains, but they're not going to be nearly the pace that we've seen in the past several months. And so by the end of the year, we should be bracing for an unemployment rate that's going to be stable, but stable at somewhere between 7 or 8%. And when that happens, you know, then that's going to really lay bare where the weak spots are in this economy and who's really suffering. That's all for today, Thursday, September 10th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. If you like our show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We come out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.